Welcome to What the Farm Podcast. I'm one of the co-hosts. My name is Rob Sharkey. I'm a farmer from Illinois, and I'm also host of Shark Farmer Radio. You know what? Oh, we should, what? We should change things up a little bit. It's a new decade. Or we not. Do the same thing every time. It, it is a new decade. Happy 2020. Happy 2020. Okay, so here, how about, welcome to What the Farm Podcast with one of your co-hosts, Rob Sharkey. A positive guy, a positive farmer, a positive outfitter, and a positive XM radio host who lives just outside Bradford, Illinois. No, no. How was that? No. <laughs> no. No? If you want to change yours up, you go right ahead. You stay away from my radio stuff. <laughs> Is this the way this decade's going to be? <laughs> I know you don't like change, but just a little bit. You know, here's the thing. Before the podcast, right, we get everybody on the phone, so we're discussing just a little bit, you know, how we'd like to structure the podcast to go, and if anything needs to be discussed. Nothing ever gets brought up by Leslie until we start the podcast, and then she has all these ideas of how she wants to do things different. would be nice to know that before, when people weren't listening, I could have told it. you how bad of an idea that no. was. <laughs> and then you'd say no, and then we wouldn't do it, but I like to change things up a little bit on the fly. Uh, okay. All right. Would you like to introduce yourself or would you like me to do that? No, I introduced you. You have to introduce me now. Okay. Hi, I'm Leslie Kelly. <laughs> I am a, a mom, a marketer. I am a brand expert aficionado. I am I'm a wine drinker. I'm a thinker. I'm a... Long poles. What is? I don't even remember how that song goes, but I'm pretty sure that wasn't it. I don't think long poles. <laughs> oh, oh wow! I also I go by high hills and canola fields, and uh, I've got a YouTube channel. So I, I thought that went pretty well. Uh, you get an F for effort. <laughs> well, I didn't prepare like yourself, so I don't think it's necessarily fair. What do you mean, prepare? You listen to that at least once a week. I Yeah, but generally I tune it out. As soon as you start talking, <laughs> I have this innate ability to just kind of start looking at my phone. It's wonderful. Yes, I know. Okay, should we get to your fellow Saskatchewanian there? Yeah, I'm really excited to have another Saskatchewanian, a Saskatchewan sandwich on, Shiloh Bennett. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, I apologize, Shiloh. <laughs> Saskatchewan sandwich. You know, every time you say that, it gets worse in my head. <laughs> I was thinking, Shiloh is the first guest we've had on where we can both say that we've been to her farm. You know, you're right. That's cool. That is very cool. Yeah. Shiloh, yeah. Uh, welcome, and it's good to talk to you again, my friend. Thanks. I'm happy to be here and talking to you guys. So I wanted to have you on because it's a new year a new decade, change things up a little bit. And I was thinking that most New Year's resolutions are focused around health in one way or another, like, you know, lose weight, be more physical, drink more water, eat better. So I wanted to have you on to chat about the cool things that you're doing, focusing on physical health and fitness. Yeah, absolutely. That's my bread and butter. That's what I focus on anyway. <laughs> okay, before we go any further, all right, because this is a podcast and people can't see Shiloh. Shiloh, um, I think when they made Shiloh, uh, they forgot to add body fat to Shiloh. Uh, would you say that that's a good assessment, Leslie? That and all the beautifulness in the world. 
Oh, yes. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. She's very beautiful. But you are a, do you call yourself a bodybuilder? I do, yes. I am a bodybuilder. I bodybuild, but in what they would classify as like the smallest female category uh, known as bikini. Ooh. Okay, so we understand because I don't know a whole lot about bodybuilding, but you see women out there that are very, very big that can almost compete with the men. And then you've got the bodybuilders are almost like fitness builders. In my mind, I put you in that category. You're built, but you aren't like that big bulky built. I don't know how to say it. Definitely different categories that you can compete in. And like you said, I'm the smallest category. For what I compete in, they're looking for more overall muscular development and then just shape and balance in the physique. And as you move up, they want you to be a little bit leaner, a little bit less body fat, and to put on more size and muscle for sure. I used to get the the bodybuilding magazines, right? Because I wanted to be like uh, Jay Cutler. Actually, I never wanted to be that big, but I just, I was fascinated by how somebody gets that big. I'd say in real life, I would rather be the fitness type side of bodybuilding like you are than those people that are just so big. So bodybuilding, it's a sport and it's a sport to watch for entertainment purposes and and like you said, you, you used to buy the magazines because you found it very fascinating. And so there is that side to bodybuilding, especially when you get up into those bigger categories that they're supposed to be out there and they're supposed to look almost unattainable. So yes. as you move down the categories and they get a little bit smaller, there is that more attainable aspect. And the trend has been that that's really sucked people into the sport because they see that there is an attainable look that they could potentially also aim to achieve that's what's building the sport and i think it's also helping create just more general health awareness and people wanting to look better and once they start looking better they notice that they start feeling better so i think that there's been a really huge positive shift in how people view bodybuilding is that ever like offensive to you because if i was a woman I would want to look more like you than, like, say, the ones that are all big. But is that something that you want to strive for ever? For me personally, no. It takes a huge amount of dedication and effort to put on the size. It doesn't happen overnight, and it doesn't happen by accident. When I introduce myself and and they're like, oh, don't you bodybuild? I'm like, yes. And they're like, oh, well, don't get too big. And it's like, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to put in a lot more effort than I am. Like, it doesn't happen by accident. So it doesn't offend me. Like I said, with the sport growing, that stigma and, like, that preconceived notion of what bodybuilding is, is starting to evolve and change people's perspectives. I actually didn't know there was a difference. Okay, so now we're talking about stigma. So one of my curiosities is thinking back to what society thinks the ideal female body it's feminine it's a size zero it's petite there's not a lot of muscle so i was wondering is society shifting to embrace now this more you know strength also equals beauty and femininity you know what i think so and maybe maybe my perception of it is a little bit skewed because i am so heavily involved in the health and fitness industry and that's what i choose to focus on and being strong and healthy and having an able body is something that i try and drive forward to a lot of customers and clients and just everyday people that i talk to that 
come to me and ask me questions or want my help. I think with this body positivity, like movement all over social media platforms and just accepting our bodies and celebrating what our bodies are capable of doing instead of focusing on not being that perfect image like you just described. I think that there has been a, a major shift in accepting all different body types. And I do think that consumers are becoming more aware and that's also helped shift people into becoming healthier. And once you become healthier, it's almost inevitable to see that muscular development as you're in the gym and you're eating healthier and you're shedding layers of body fat. It's that inevitability once you make that healthy lifestyle shift that that's what's going to happen. Emily, what was the name of that bodybuilder, the rice farmer that we interviewed? Uh, It was Sam Sam Snyder. Snyder. Yes. Yeah, Sam Snyder. He was a rice farmer into bodybuilding. And we had a conversation because the Ronnie Coleman documentary came out and he was talking about the roid guts and how things are different now to where they don't want those freakish physiques that you had in the 90s and 2000s. You want something that the average person can look at and goes, wow, that's amazing. But actually, I could look like that if I worked out relentlessly compared to some of these guys that were almost like genetic freaks or where they called them on all that stuff. Is that ever flow over to the women's side? I think a little bit, yeah. When you start to look at bodybuilding and, and in that more elite level, you know, those genetic freaks, that doesn't come all naturally. And, and the different substances that they have to put in their bodies are naturally occurring for males. And so for females to get that big, they're having to put in male hormones. And it, it does definitely take a toll. So that's why you see a lot less big female bodybuilders is because there are higher risks. And it is really pushing the body's potential to put on that size mm-hmm. and that mass. So yeah. it's, it's a male-dominated sport for a reason. I mean, males can put on muscle a lot easier than females because of their hormonal makeup, and that plays a huge role in producing more muscle mass. It isn't desirable. It isn't as a desirable look in typical society standards. And like you had just asked me, like if I do an off-season body, like when you see these people on stage, that's for a day. And it isn't attainable uh, for majority of the people to stay that way all year round. So when you see some of these bodybuilders walking around, you know, three or four months off season, you know, they are going to look like a normal human being and they're going to look fit and healthy. And they'll probably look in their face like they're a little bit more full of life, but they're, they're going to look normal. They're not going to look shredded all the time. Mm-hmm. So why did you get started into bodybuilding? You and your husband farm, you were involved in the egg industry, and now you shifted to more fitness and then bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. So my background story is, it starts a long time ago. I was a very active teenager. Throughout high school, I danced four days a week, so I never really had to worry about my health or staying active and fit. I moved from the States uh, back to Canada for university, so I didn't really know a ton of people. And university life really kicked me in the butt. I wasn't very active, and I didn't know how to feed myself properly. I learned very fast, and I put on a lot of weight. And so I was actually quite heavy through 
the first part of my university days. And once I had my, my, my daughter, Riley, I decided to make a change because I wanted to be that role model for her. And I wanted to enjoy her and be able to move around with her and be active and also just not have that self-conscious factor. So I lost 50 pounds after I had Riley. Everything snowballed after that. I really started looking into different ways to lose weight and how the body works to lose weight. And as I got more involved in health and fitness, I tried out CrossFit for a few years. I ended up becoming a certified level one instructor for that. And I really fell in love with the coaching side of things. Then I had to really focus on my agriculture career for a couple of years. And I just kind of did it on the side. And when I got to a place where I knew that I didn't necessarily want to work for somebody else anymore, I was looking at different avenues in agriculture and in health and fitness to make my own way and really shape what my career is going to look like for the rest of my life. Health and fitness just really started to take over. And the more that I learned, the more that I wanted to learn, I really like truly enjoy helping people. And I feel like this is where I can do that. For me to also do that is to learn how it works for my own body. And I've really enjoyed like the different processes that I've taken, like I said, CrossFit and learning how to lift really heavy weights and, how I could push my body that way. Then I started looking more into bodybuilding and I really wanted to try and manipulate what my body looked like. So I started focusing on different goals that way and it really snowballed into what Busted Barbell is now today. That's given me a platform to really help people and get that knowledge out that I've already started to gather and learn. And what is Busted Barbell? Busted Barbell Fitness is a supplement store that I own here in Kindersley, Saskatchewan. Okay, now I'm thinking, I don't know much about bodybuilding. How does one even start to get into bodybuilding? What would be my first step if I wanted this to be a passion or a career? I think bodybuilding, for most people, it just becomes more of a hobby and a passion. It's really hard to turn into a career unless you are one of those quote-unquote genetic freak that you can really showcase what you're able to do with your body and even that that I think it's it's really hard for me as a supplement store owner to really promote somebody's programs that are a genetic freak because you know genetically they're gifted and and they have an ability to either lose fat really easily or put on size really easily and that's not your average person but for the average person that wants to get into it or learn more about it, I think, you know, looking into the different federations in what they want to compete, because there are different, well, they're called federations, what hosts the show. So I compete in the Canadian Physique Alliance, which is in Canada, the biggest federation. It's open class, which means that you can be natural or not natural. And then there's also specific natural only federations that, have a lot more harsh rules and they're a lot more strict on what you're able to take through your supplementation and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think deciding on what kind of athlete that you want to be and then going from there and researching coaches, which is really easy to find through social media, searching up bodybuilding and in, in Instagram and following the hashtags and seeing who's posting and, and following the trends that way is, is a really easy and simple way to start learning about it when you're up there on stage i mean you're wearing the thong bikini your body 
It just doesn't look like there's anything wrong with it. But when you look in the mirror, is that what you see? No, um, there's definitely criteria that I have to follow. And like I said, for me, it's all about shape and balance. My upper body has to match like the size of my lower body and have that more hourglass look. So that's what I'm always striving for. If I don't have that perfect hourglass shape like some girls are, are gifted with, then I have to work on my posing to hide my flaws and make it look and give that illusion of of that hourglass shape. So not that I I don't see like the improvements and the efforts that I'm putting in. I'm up on stage to be critiqued. So I have to almost be my worst critic so that way I can try and come forward with my best package. You don't want to see me in a thong up on a stage. Uh, not yet, anyway. <laughs> 2020, get Rob on a stage. <laughs> what else do judges look for when you are up on stage, aside from, you know, the the hourglass shape? So, overall muscle development, they want to see that we have nice round shoulders. And for bikini specifically, we have to have nice, big, round, high glutes. So, a lot of it has to come from our backside. They don't want any body part overpowering your body, so they don't want something to really stick out. They want it to nicely flow together. And then, too, it's all about your overall package. So making sure that you look nice and polished with your hair and your makeup and your jewelry and your suit, and it matches your skin tone, and you look very well put together, as well as your personality and how you allow your personality to shine through uh, through your presentation in posing. It has to be very well rehearsed. You don't just throw on a bikini and get up on stage and do a bunch of posing. And then for guys, they have to hold these poses and they're flexing for like 15 minutes straight. And so that takes a whole different level of conditioning for them to be able to hold those poses and make sure they don't cramp up. So for guys, it's not as much as like the beauty pageant side of things like I just described for the girls, but for them, they definitely still have to let their personality shine through and then they have to be able to hold their posing. For them, the critique is a lot more on just specifically what shape that they're bringing to the stage compared to everyone else. You hear a lot of people use the excuse, well, I, I live too far away from a gym. Like Leslie said, I've been to your farm. Uh, you're past <laughs> nowhere. I went past nowhere and I drove for like an hour and then I finally got to your place. So, I mean, what do you say to those people that, that use that excuse? You have to find the time. And I think that comes with the passion. Yeah, that was one thing that I had a beef with my coaches this last prep that they did for my two shows here this last fall is I had to find the time. And so that meant sacrificing sleep. Sleep is just as important as the dieting and the working out because that's when our bodies are covering. So I... <laughs> would either get up at like 3.30 in the morning and go to the gym. On purpose? Or I would have to... <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> when we were seeding or harvesting, it was really tricky to, to manage. But you just have to find the time, and, and that means sacrificing other things. I was pretty fortunate to have a really good support system in Jeff watching the kids and putting them to bed and me being able to run off to go lift and, and get home in time to do all of my cardio before I went to sleep. I mean, it's always doable. There's always something. You can always sleep an hour less, or you can watch one less episode of TV in the day. So 
there's definitely a way to do it. How much time does it take, like, in a day for you to work out to have the body that you have? So everyone is going to be different. For me, I had to push a little bit harder because I was putting my body through a little bit more stress with less sleep. Because when I was competing, I started my prep the second day of seating. (laughs) So I wasn't sleeping a whole bunch because we were seating. And then also finishing up my prep. I was prepping through harvest. So I was really tired and, and workouts were getting really long. And I was putting my body through a lot. But it isn't uncommon for people to uh, lift for an hour to an hour and a half a day and then you know cardio ranges for people of anywhere from 30 minutes a day up to like I was doing up to two hours and that's where you know that mental toughness and that commitment to your passion really comes in because it is a long time and for a lot of people that isn't attainable but it was something that I really wanted to do and then on top of that there's the posing practice and the stretching, and just the recovering, and taking care of yourself. In a day, I mean, I was probably committing up to four hours to getting onto the stage. I think that's what people don't understand when they see people up on the stage like that, and are like, well, that's, you know, that's just the way those people are born, and that, no, it's an incredible commitment that you're putting in. Mm Mm-hmm. And do you take a day off for working out? Sometimes I do, uh, right now I do have one rest day a week programmed, so I don't have to do any cardio or any uh, lifting, but I still choose to do a lot of stretching and mobility and posing practice. It's just a day to hang out and more enjoy my body recovering. Is that your uh, regiment, Leslie? Uh, To recover every day. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking, good day, maybe I'll go down and maybe bench press or something. (laughs) I haven't skiing every day. You've been skiing? Like cross-country skiing? Cross-country skiing every day. Well, I mean, that's that's a workout, isn't it? Yeah, where, um, like, on my Fitbit, it'll tell me, like, there's no cross-country app for it. So at the end, it'll tell me that I just swam for, like, 45 minutes. So I think that's pretty good. <laughs> 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 All right. What are you going to say to someone that comes into Busted Barbell? Out of shape, and I just, I want to be better. I ask them why and what better means to them. Because for some people, that is the aesthetic side of things, and they want to look better. But for some people, too, they maybe have some gut health issues, or they're having a lot of problems sleeping or getting a restful sleep at night. Or, you know, they just have cravings, and they can't kick the cravings. And so they end up, you know, at a 7-Eleven grabbing a candy bar or a bag of chips. And so with the supplement store, we have solutions to all these types of problems. And so when somebody just says they want to be better, it's like, let's pick baby steps first. What's one thing that you want to change in the next week? What's a realistic attainable goal? Is that a better sleep or is that getting a solid five meals in a day? Or is that helping your digestive system become regular by the end of the week? And then we just build on top of that because When you're looking at changing your health after you've essentially ignored it for such a long time and just kind of floated along doing the norm, it can be very overwhelming. And with all the different solutions that you could potentially have to implement, I don't ever want to bombard somebody or make them feel like they have to buy all this product 
to get better because it doesn't all have to happen at once. Something about health is it is not a sprint. And to remedy any health issues, it is not a sprint. So to take your time and know that it's going to take some time and ease people into knowing that is my first step in helping them. How has your diet changed the last few years or what, what is your diet like? My diet is very bland, which I've actually preferred to a certain degree. I still get cravings. Like I still want like a big fat burger or whatever every so often. But for me, I find that my digestive system is really sensitive and I've tried really hard to view food as more of a fuel source and that I'm actually utilizing it for a very specific purpose and putting on muscle or fueling my body to continue to run as efficiently as possible so that way I can be burning fat and losing fat through the stage. My diet, it definitely isn't glamorous. It consists of a lot of eggs, egg whites, and chicken and rice. <laughs> I mean, it, a lot of people turn up their noses at that. And for a lot of people, when they start looking at bodybuilding, that is one of the first things that they realize that maybe they can't commit to quite yet. You know, on top of all the lifting and the cardio that they're maybe not used to, the diet is something that just pushes them over the edge and they're just like, no, I can't do this, which is very understandable because today in our society, we're used to very highly palatable food options, like very sweet or very salty or very savory. You know, anytime that you go out to eat or pick up something at a convenience store, or even our grocery stores, the food that we're able to buy, we're very used to like a very tasty meal. And so when you take a lot of the the flavorings out or the butter or the salt, the sugar. The good stuff. The, all the good stuff. <laughs> I find that my body functions a lot better and it's a lot easier for my digestive system to process it and it actually be utilizable. So like when people are, are looking to make these changes, sustainability is going to trump any flashy diets that are trendy when you can start implementing small changes at a time and making it sustainable that you can actually look at the diet and be like, Oh yeah, I could follow this five years from now. That's when you're going to see long-term success instead of people that are jumping on these bandwagons of a very hyped up diet that are coming out that are completely cutting out whole food groups that maybe you were very used to eating. You know, that's not sustainable six months, two years down the road. Diet is a huge factor in feeling good and then looking better. Shiloh, are you scared of injury? I'm curious because, you know, you're pushing your body. How do you know when it's at its or near its limit or when it's been too much? Right now, um, I'm training a couple of days a week with my coach. And in those workouts is when I'm really pushing myself and pushing my body to its physical limits. So I always have somebody there guiding my form or helping me with my form. So I'm not very concerned with injury there. And then on my own, because I've done CrossFit and I've dabbled into powerlifting and Olympic lifting, and I've taken certification courses, which has led me to do some self-studying. One of the things that I really focused on a few years ago was mobility and I really dove into how the body works and the mechanics of the body in how to 
efficiently lift weights and then also how to help recover and stretch and make sure that we're recovering properly. So I've done a lot of my own due diligence in making sure that I can stay as healthy as possible in that regard. But for everyone, my take-home message would be to take your warm-up very seriously and also your cool-down and your stretching afterwards is going to help remedy a lot of the tightness and the soreness that's going to come after a hard workout, especially if you're new to working out and you're just starting to get into a new workout routine. There's definitely nothing wrong with hiring a personal trainer or reaching out to a coach because the beauty of social media and the technology that we have at our hands, it's really easy to just FaceTime somebody to watch your form and help you through those sets that maybe you're not comfortable with or even just sending videos of your form and somebody can critique you. So we have lots of tools to help with that. For a lot of people, injury can come from a place of ego <laughs> when they're maybe trying what? to lift something a little bit too heavy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's it's all in learning your body and knowing what your limits are. And sometimes it takes a bit of a, a minor injury to find that upper limit and realizing, oh, okay, maybe I have to back down the weight a little bit, or I can't push quite as hard on how many reps I wanted to do at this weight next time. I'm wondering, Shiloh, in the bodybuilding industry, you know, being a farmer and having a different perspective of knowing how food is grown, do you hear or see a lot of fair marketing like non-GMO, organic versus conventional, dairy-free, vegan? Do you see that? I do see it a lot. The non-GMO or the organic side of the game not quite as much. I think people are more focused on just high quality foods and fresh foods. Some coaches try to play up the only eat organic, it's better for you. But that trend is kind of fading, I find, especially in the bodybuilding side of the industry. But there's definitely been a big shift with people trying out vegan preps. Non-dairy is huge. Like I don't eat any dairy. For me, it affects me and I guess crazy inflammation from it, but that's just from trial and error and knowing my body. Bodybuilders know their bodies. Like we have to get very in tune with it. For the most part, as long as it's not like a really big name person that's like promoting their own programs or products, if somebody's following a specific diet and they're talking about it, there's a probably a really good reason for it. The chances are that they're not trying to sell you on anything, that it's just what they've found through trial and error works for their body the best. You know, you look at some bodybuilders and some of them can eat rice, no problem, and be totally fine prepping on rice. And some of them can't even eat rice. They have to switch to a different carb source like oats or sweet potatoes or something just because it keeps them less inflamed and maybe it's easier on their digestive systems. There's definitely very different views and very different ways, but for good reasons in in different diets. Well, Shiloh Bennett, it's been very cool to get to know you and be on your farm and hang out with you and Jeff and, and just see what you were like in real life. Very cool. You've got better tattoos than I do, and that makes me jealous. So does Jeff, but <laughs> we won't get into that. <laughs> but I do want to thank you for taking the time to talk to Leslie and I. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, it's always super nice to go out and meet people that you 
be online and also just doing some really awesome things. And Shiloh is, I would say she's kicking it pretty good. Yes, I remember speaking up in Saskatchewan and, and in front of a lot of women, it was very intimidating. And I listed off a few people from Saskatchewan, women that were doing amazing things, representing agriculture well. And of course, Shiloh was on that list because I think you do a very good mm-hmm. job of transitioning. You represent the agriculture side, you represent the fitness side, and I think you do a very good job at that. Well, thank you guys so much. Well, Shiloh Bennett from up there in Saskatchewan, thank you for being on. And to everybody else, we hope you catch us next week. Bye.